This is 680 CJOB. Hey everyone and welcome to The Main Ingredient. Let's not waste any time today and jump right in with my first guest who was on the show earlier this year when he was competing in the third season of MasterChef Canada in which he placed second. So let's start from the beginning. Okay, so let's. Uh, how about you share a little bit of who you are, um, your family and where you're from. So I'm Jeremy Cenaris. I was the runner-up on MasterChef Canada Season 3. Uh, born and raised here in Winnipeg. And uh, my family, my parents migrated here in the late 70s. So all three of them, like, all, me and my other two siblings are all born here in Canada. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so how did you get into cooking? Um, I've always been into cooking. Uh, since I was a kid, I'd always be in the kitchen with my mom. Rolling lumpias, you know, like little, little tasks, cooking rice, probably since I was at least eight to 10 years old. Wow. So I've always been in the kitchen with her helping and watching her cook things. And uh, I guess that's where it all came from, the memories of cooking with my mom. Actually, I guess she, obviously she was a major inspiration on you going in this direction, right? Definitely, definitely. She was like one of the best cooks in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And... uh Always, always ate good, uh, regardless whether it be like uh, canned sardines or because uh, we were like my parents were immigrants, right? So, no, dude, I know how that is. Canned yeah. sardines is a, my exactly, dad you know, spam corn, canned corned beef. Yep. Like we we grew up on that kind of thing, and and that's just kind of the kind of things that uh, immigrants fed to their children, like being here in Canada, you know, you give up good jobs in the Philippines and then you come out here and then you have to work and hustle and hustle hard and work jobs that people don't want to do and, uh, you know, kind of middle, low class and still ate good though, even with those types of ingredients. Well, our lives sound the same. It's kind of crazy you saying that. Yeah. It reminds me, we used to live on, um, in St. James in townhouses and I remember uh, when I go back there, when I look at it now, it seems like I didn't, back then I didn't really realize it was yeah. low income. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Because yeah. my mom was, you know, she was Jamaican and yeah. she cooked the best meals. And you're still always happy, right? Like you, they never acted like anything was wrong. Even if they struggled with money, we still always ate good, right? Even like first I'm generation sure. um, Canadians, like I guess I'm considered, yeah, first generation Filipino Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um we never know it until you get older, right? Totally. Until you see like the type of struggles you have to go through when you're at that age. You don't think about it when you're young, right? Not you at don't all. see it what your parents had gone through when they're growing up or moved, migrated here mm-hmm. to live in Canada. Which is a beauty of good parenting, right? Exactly. They, they actually allowed you to be a kid. Exactly. They kept the problems that they were going through to themselves. To themselves, yeah. And allowed you to just be who you needed to be. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Mm. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, okay, let's jump into the Master Chef. And I, every time I watch the show, the one thing I always think about is the process to get on. Like, what maybe you can describe what it's like from when you apply, and then when you're actually accepted to go on the show. Because there's thousands of contest- oh, yeah. contestants, right? So, um, I think when uh, for the previous season, they told us there was at least about eleven thousand people that applied for the show. So basically what you do is you have to fill out an online application, mm-hmm. all your info, your background, and if you've worked in any commercial kitchen or had any training, um, if you have any of that, it depends on how much of it you have because that'll determine whether or not you're even allowed to try out for the show. Right. Um, if you get selected, 
if your application gets noticed and you get selected, then you go to a provincial tryout where you actually have to prepare a dish and bring it there and uh, judge, taste it. So I think in every province, they'll pick like a seasoned chef from the city and have them come in for a tasting. And then uh, from there... How many people are participate in that? I think I think in the Winnipeg one there was probably at least I'd like to say thirty to forty people. Yep. Where was it held? It was held at the Fort Gary Hotel. Um I think they do it there every year. Mm-hmm. I tried out for season one and I made it to that portion where you go to the hotel. Yep. And then I didn't make it on the show. And at that point I was like, Okay, I'm done. I tried. I'm never gonna try out again. Mm-hmm. And then apparently season two they didn't they didn't come to Winnipeg. And, well, I wouldn't have known because I wasn't going to try out ever again. <laughs> How bitter. <laughs> Just super bitter, like, forget it, never again. And uh, and then on season three, when it came around, I was like, nah, whatever. Yep. It's all good. And the producers actually contacted me. And I guess they remembered me from my audition dish for from the first season. Mm-hmm. And they figured, hey, like, this guy could be good. Like, yep. let's give him a shot. What was the first dish? My first audition dish. My first first audition dish for season one was like a sushi board. So I had tuna tataki, uh, tuna bakudan, and then I also had uh, shrimp sushi roll. It's not bad. Okay, so so let's roll ahead. The the producers contact you. Yeah, so the producers contacted me to come in for this season's... um, Provincial audition, I guess we can call it. Yep. And uh, this year I made a um, scallop ceviche with uh, squid ink sauce. So it looked really cool on the plate, yep. black and white. And then I had uh, my scallops um, marinated in rice vinegar and uh, sesame oil. And then I fried up some capers, so some crunch. And yep. it was a really good dish. And uh, it got me to the Toronto auditions. What's the process to choose the dish that you're going to audition with? Once you choose it, do you cook it a bunch of times, have people taste it, look at the presentation, or do you cook a bunch of dishes and decide which one you're going with? Like, how, how do you decide that? Um, they tell you um, to have a signature dish. Mm-hmm. And um, what I did was I thought long and hard of what can impress them because this time you know, like, it's not just – a local chef like these guys that you're going to be feeding this time are going to be they're like world renowned chef like mm-hmm. sh- like chef alvin has restaurants in hong kong and toronto and michael bonaccini and um claudio aprile like they're all very well known chefs mm-hmm. and they're celebrity chefs and i knew that for me to get that white apron i had to really really bring my a game mm-hmm. so i figured Sushi is one of my most favorite things to make. And I know that sushi is an art. For it sure. really is. Oh, dude. And um, to get them with that visual and then hit them with the different flavors of sushi that most people, like most people have had sushi. So you have to have something that's original mm-hmm. that they would remember. And... um that was, I think, my or my dish, my signature dish that I brought to Toronto was a uh, shrimp dynamite roll, but with my own play on it. I added bonito flakes, green onions, and uh, spicy mayo—just things that people don't do in traditional uh, sushi restaurants. Right. 
So I put my own spin on it, and I got three yeses from all the judges, and that got me my apron. This year, the the format was a little bit different. Before, if you even got one yes, then you would get an apron. Oh, wow. And this year, they changed it that the only way to get an apron is if all three judges say yes, but this year, if only one says yes and two say no then you, you're thrown into a battle with the rest of the people. Oh. So luckily I got the three yeses <laughs> and I got my apron right away. I didn't have to do that second totally. cook. Yeah, get thrown into another pressure cooker. Exactly. We're going to talk to Jeremy more about his time on MasterChef Canada right after the break. We'll be right back. I'm back talking with Jeremy Sinaris, who is a runner-up on the third season of MasterChef Canada, about his time on the show. Okay, so you do that whole process. What part of that process would you say was the most difficult? And what part, once you're on the show, what was the most difficult part I know it's a you know a long process. What like fourteen weeks in the show? Mm-hmm. What part of that process, in your mind, do you consider it to be the most difficult? Once you were on, the hardest part about getting on, I think, was the waiting game between the provincial auditions and getting the call to know that you've made it to Toronto. Mm. Last time I was like, oh, I think I'm going to make it on MasterChef, MasterChef Canada. And then I didn't make it and I was so upset. Especially so, when people so know too, right? Yeah. Like, and yeah, then, I think I'm going to make it. And no. then this year I kept it secret from everybody. Mm-hmm. Only a select few knew that I even auditioned the second time. So that was hard, keeping the secret. And then once I got on, um, the show didn't air for a while. Um, so that... As well, we had to keep that secret that we were even on the show. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We got to back up here. So you're saying, okay. are you saying the hard part was after it filmed? You, you filmed, now you're back in Winnipeg. Yeah. And now you obviously got to keep it secret. You Ex- weren't telling anybody that you even on the show. Exactly. So when did you tell them? Did the show air and then all of a sudden you're on um, We, we. Like you're back at work, right? Yeah, we're back at work um, for almost six months. Come on. And we couldn't tell anybody um, that we were on it until they started airing it. <laughs> so <laughs> it was tough. So you're at work to do, doing your thing, and yeah. then someone's like, I saw you on Master Chef. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's how it was, literally. Like, people had no idea that I was on it. Then the commercials started to air, and they're like, I saw you on TV. And I was like, yep. <laughs> I'm on there. <laughs> so it was That's pre- awesome. It was hard. It was hard. And then the other part was being away from your family. I mean, you're away from your family for so long and you're surrounded by these people that all share the same passion as you. They all want the same thing as you. So you're kind of looking at them like, you know, giving them the stink eye, like they're they're your competitors, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it was hard because we couldn't speak with our family. So... We all kind of bonded in that aspect, right? Mm-hmm. We all had the same passion and we only had each other. So, I mean, we all became pretty close. So during that time, no cell phones, no, no cell smartphones, phones. no texting, no nothing. No cell phones, no TV, no internet, nothing. For we literally, Yeah, for 14 weeks. Wow. We literally only had each other. We'd walk to the mall. We'd go to chapters. We'd buy. <laughs> yeah, we'd buy. <laughs> we'd buy cookbooks, yeah. and like literally, we immersed ourselves in food. Like we cooked all day, and we would study all night and cook all night. When was the last time you went fourteen weeks with no technology, like no communication? Never, yeah, never, never. But you know what? It was. 
it was like an eye opener. Um, Probably a bit liberating, right? It was. It felt good to not have a phone and, and kind of just focus on something you're passionate about mm-hmm. and just completely immerse yourself in that with no distractions. And it was funny because we'd go out for dinner and then we would look around and see couples and friends, groups of friends with their homies. Like nobody was looking at each other, just all looking down on their phones. And we'd look at each other and we'd be like, we're forced to talk to each other right now. And it was awesome. I mean, we got super close. We all became close because we had nothing to distract us from getting to know one another. For sure. So it was cool though. So as you're watching this at home, okay, so it films, you get back home, it finally airs, you get back to work. Week one goes, week two goes, week three. So as the weeks are going on and you're just living your life, are more and more people in public recognizing who you are? Yes. What was that like? It was cool. Um, at first, it started off very small within the Filipino community. And people were like, there was the buzz. Oh, there's a couple Filipinos on the show. One of them's from Winnipeg. And then then I started getting contacted by all the Filipino media in mm-hmm. Winnipeg. And it started off there. There's only a couple. Yeah, <laughs> only a couple. <laughs> and and it just got it, it got bigger and bigger and like... There was more and more people stopping me on the street, people following me to convenience stores to to take a picture. Um, And then um, as the finale rolled by, um, at that point, it was like I couldn't go anywhere. Like my girlfriend would joke, we'd go to Walmart and then like two, three people would stop me for a photo or whatever. My girlfriend would joke around and be like, so sarcastically, ugh, can't even go to Walmart. <laughs> you know, like just joking around. Like she acted like she hated it, but she found it amusing because like I would kind of get embarrassed, right? Because I'm just a regular dude, right? Yeah. And, I, and, and it's like she could tell in my face that I'd get embarrassed when people stop me and stuff. But so she started making a joke out of it and be like, Oh, master chef Canada's in the building. <laughs> you know, he's here pictures in aisle four, you know, I just joke around with me like that. Cause she knows I get embarrassed. But, um, then I went to Toronto for the finale. Yeah. And then that's when I really realized it. Cause there was people from a different province recognizing me and stopping me when we're shopping be like oh my god you're on master chef canada you're jeremy and then at that point i was like holy crap that's bizarre like so many people know who i am and like uh, my mom knows who you are yeah (laughs) (laughs) this is hilarious right she's queen of reality tv cooking shows yeah so yeah she knew right away who nice nice Okay, which I, the reason I brought that up was because, you know, we did the, we went to Manifest, did the judge the yeah. food truck competition, food truck which was wars. awesome. Oh, man. Wow, was I, I was like, oh, my stomach was I total. I didn't eat for that. two days after oh, that, I think. Wow, that, was of, that was a lot of good food. <laughs> yeah. The only thing was, there's so much good food. You know, I almost, almost hated having to eat it all at once because you couldn't yeah. appreciate all of it because I, I wanted know. to eat it all. Right? I know. And I did my best eating it well, all. Well, we tried at the oh. beginning and then five trucks in, I think we kind of started just taking bites instead oh. of whole, whole, portions <laughs> for sure well you don't insult anybody because they put their blood sweat and tears into their dish exactly right and uh, you know th- they are awesome but again you, you can't eat everything yeah um but yeah i was full but I, I was laughing the whole time at how many people recognize you every yeah. filipino person recognize you every single one yeah and uh there was one lady we were walking oh down God, yes. the side and she was walking about 10 feet over and she was l- walking like in parallel with us and looking over. I thought she was giving you dirty looks at yeah, first. Yeah. Wondering, what is this lady looking at? And then she's wondering, I know you from somewhere. 
I know you. And I'm wondering, okay, it's going to kick in at some point. Yeah. And then, like five steps later, it's Master Chef. Yeah. And she just was freaking and then out. And she started screaming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah. Not every five minutes, camera's coming out. So, yeah, I, you yeah. know, that was a, you handled it really well, right? Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I guess you could say I've kind of gotten used to it. It happens still um, at least once a day. If I'm like out and about, mm-hmm. at least once a day. It's awesome. It's actually like really humbling and it, it kind of drives me to want to continue on this path because I have a lot of support and it's weird. To, it's still weird to say it, but I have fans. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, like it's 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 weird for just a normal dude that like, that grew up in Winnipeg that just whatever happened to be on a reality TV show. And then now it's like, I have people that like are actually considered as fans. It's always the best when it's little kids. When we return after the news, weather and sports, we are going to continue our conversation with Jeremy Sinaris and talk about his upcoming pop-up dinner at kitchen sink, October 7th and 8th. This is Kevin Bergen on the main ingredient on 680 CJOB. This is Kevin Bergen from The Main Ingredient, and after the news, weather, and sports, we're going to continue our conversation with Jeremy Sinaris and talk about his upcoming pop-up dinner at Kitchen Sink, October 7th and 8th. This is 680 CJOB. What kind of food do you consider your specialty? I think my specialty is uh, Asian fusion Mm -hmm. um, with a background of Filipino food. Um, Filipino food is my roots. That's how I learned to cook. Um, And then... It just branched off into the Asian food because um, being a Filipino, Filipinos love Chinese food. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. If you go to any like Chinese restaurant, they always tell you the way to know if a Chinese restaurant is good is if when you walk in there, the majority of the people are either Filipino or Chinese. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how you know it's authentic. Uh, note to sell. Yeah, that's how you know it's authentic and good because yeah. the majority of the patrons will be either Chinese, yeah. Asian, or Filipino. And uh, that's how you know because it's like respect, you know, like yeah. respect. Your food is good, right? Yeah. But um, That's hilarious. Yeah, so that's how, like, I, I think that it's, I'd, to best describe my food style would definitely be Asian fusion. Um, just taking all... Asian cuisines and mashing them up into one. That's that's what I like to do. Right. So I'm assuming your favorite food to cook is your favorite food to eat. Exactly. Right. It's a natural thing, right? Exactly. And that's exactly like how I started feeling like I'm actually pretty good at this. Like I'd go to restaurants, even it not being an Asian food restaurant, um, I'd go there and try a dish. And if I liked it, I'd go home and I'd I'd attempt to make it just really? based on flavor mm-hmm. and I'm pretty good at at doing replication and that's why in MasterChef Canada any of those replication challenges where I was able to taste it first I won that challenge so back then and now do you find that sometimes you may not actually sit down and enjoy the food because you're so busy trying to figure out what's in it technically I think I'll, I'll always enjoy any meal as long as it's prepared well um but I am very, very technical now. I'm like, oh, this is not that good, or this is bland, or I can make this better at home. <laughs> like yep. I always, I'm always like that now, um, regardless. But um, we have a lot of good restaurants here in the city, and I have a lot of favorites. And but you're right. Uh, ever since, ever since I got into the cooking more seriously, I've been uh, critiquing a lot more food sure. um, while I'm there eating. So it's funny sometimes, like. 
like when me and my girlfriend first started dating, um, we went out to eat and I stuck my finger in her soup and I tasted it and like she she knew like she didn't care obviously but it's just like <laughs> you know it's just like it's just nasty. like <laughs> it's just random like it's so weird to me because like that's how you taste sauces right you dip your finger in it yeah. or you take a little taste and I did that to her and is she's like you do notice that you just stuck your finger in my soup I'm like yeah I did sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can I get a second date? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Obviously, you're learning as you go. And yep. so here you are putting on a dinner. Now you're putting on a formal dinner for people. So I'm assuming your chef friend would help you gauge the amount of food and oh, yeah. you know how you're going to prepare the food for that many people. That would be yeah. a big hurdle. Yeah. Right? Um, that was definitely one of the hardest things, trying to organize my first one. How much pork does 135 people eat? How many pounds of that do I need? Like mm-hmm. That's something that... Um, a home cook would never know. Right. Um, that's something that you learn in school, which is why I'm sure a lot of chefs like have that inkling that like that that idea of like a home cook not knowing anything about that. Mm-hmm. And they're right. Mm-hmm. We don't know that. I don't know that. I didn't know that. But luckily, I have friends in the industry that do know that. And uh, they but once were... you know it, you know it. Exactly. Like, well, once you learn, once it... you get that in your head, the the ratios and the portions per person, then then it's it's not it's basic math. I mean, uh, I've taken. I'm good at math. Like I'm I'm in civil engineering. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's just it's just about trying to gauge what what a person can eat. And uh, luckily, I have uh, my boy with me and. He was able to help out with that, and then the service of the dinner actually went really well. I had a really good team behind me in Pretty the back of the that? house. Like timing-wise, how everything's going to come out, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and uh, it, it, I've been cooking with um, a lot of... Uh, I've been doing a lot of things with um, within the Filipino community and have a little crew that I've been cooking with, doing like stuff at... Um, community centers, like little fundraisers, and um, they've been helping out for my pop-up dinner. And a few of them are helping out with this one. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, it, it it's, all, it's not just me, right? You have mm-hmm. to have a team behind you. Otherwise, you're not going to succeed, right? For sure. You don't want things like service and uh, other things like that to overshadow the actual food. Exactly. Because people, they consider them hand in hand, right? Yeah, exactly. And 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 if if their food's not there, like if they're not getting it on time, or they're waiting a long time for yeah, their mad. food, they're they're not going to be happy, right? And, you, and they're blaming you. You didn't yeah, give them it's good me. service. Exactly. You, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you got to have a good crew. Yeah. Um So before you decided to do pop up dinners, had you attended anyone else's? Um. Yes, I actually attended one at uh, Rossmere Golf Club. Mm-hmm. I think. Yep. And uh, my friend Domer invited me for that. And I think it was Chef Rob yep. that was throwing Chef that dinner. Rob, yeah. It was really, really He's good. good um, that was one of my first ones that I went to. And then um, my buddy Alan Panetta, he invited me to one of his Manila Nights dinners. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did his Filipino, modern Filipino food on that one. I think it was a four, four or five course meal. And then he asked me to do one with him, and that's the one that we did at Merchant Kitchen. Yep. So um, that one was kind of like it was all my menu, but I was more of a feature for a Manila Nights, like their for their pop up dinners. Right. And now this one that I'm having is, is mine. You? This one is all me um, organizing it and running it, and calling it um, the Lassa series. 
right? Which means what? What does lasa mean? Lasa means um, taste or flavor in Tagalog. Mm-hmm. So um, I just wanted to choose something that is something unique to me because I feel like my cooking style is unique. Nobody's gonna have, nobody's gonna be able to replicate my recipes besides myself right. because I like to fuse things together, things I grew up with, things that I like to eat. Um, with my last one, it was like I had a lot of dish. I had a dish that was um, tofu and pulled pork, and that one was like a fusion of Japanese and Filipino. Mm-hmm. So it's the agadashi tofu, and then like a pulled pork, like lechon. Like we love cooking with pork, right? Yeah. So it's a fusion between the two, and I, I feel like uh, with my Lhasa series, it won't be the f- the last one. So this one is going to be another play on modern Filipino food, but as I go forward. I want it to be more of food that I like to eat. I'm thinking the next one I'm gonna do uh, kaiseki, so it's it'll be a lasa series kaiseki. So kaiseki is basically in Japanese, and it's basically small bites that that the chef chooses. So it's gonna kind of be like more of a play on my love for Japanese food. Mm-hmm. Serve people sushi, uh, different types of tatakis. You know, just I have so many ideas in my head that I, I just need to put it on paper and then. Feed it to someone. <laughs> I'll eat it. I'll uh, you know I'll do you solid and and taste it for you. <laughs> nice, I'm nice. Dedicated man. We'll be back with more conversation with Jeremy after the break. Okay, so let's talk about the menu for this for this pop up series. Yep. For this well, well this upcoming pop up dinner, which is October sixth and seventh, right? October seventh and eighth. October seventh and eighth. Okay. Um, so it's going to be a five course meal, and uh, my first course like it's a traditional. It's basically what we call a ceviche, a Filipino ceviche, and it's called kinilaw. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do it as a poke bowl. Have you ever heard of those no. yet? Mm-mm. So a poke bowl is like, it started off in Hawaii, mm-hmm. and it's a very popular dish where it's like served on, um, like poke is like basically any type of fish, and then it's either tuna or salmon, and then mixed with different types of sauces. Like there was, when I was in Hawaii, um, they had uh, sriracha salmon, Wasabi mayo tuna. Sounds good. Um, just different types, like so many different types, and you can go into any store and get poke. So this one I'm gonna do kind of like a like a bowl. So it'll be sushi rice, the kinilao, and then pickled vegetables, and then a soft boiled egg. We should not have scheduled this interview at lunchtime. This is just I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is not good. I'm all like, okay, let's go. Yeah, yeah. And then so my second course. Um, it was going to be uh, crab fat noodles. Mm-hmm. Filipinos, like we love eating crab. We always get blue crab. And then I don't know if you know, like when you open up a crab, there's that mustard inside. Mm-hmm. And that's crab fat, right? Filipinos will normally mix that in with their rice and eat it with their rice. Mm-hmm. So I was going to do a play on that, but we can't source the crab fat from anywhere. So it's going to be initially the same, but it's going to be a... Um, Coconut milk uh, noodles with uh, noodle wrapped shrimp and uh, ikura on top. Mm -hmm. So it'll be it'll be cool. I'm excited about that one. I think that a lot of people um, know of the dish. It's called ginatan. Mm -hmm. I'm excited now, man. And uh, yeah, it's it's basically (laughs) spicy coconut milk. And then you you eat it as a stew. And the thing about Filipino food is most of our food is a stew. You eat it with rice. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, like, there's the Filipino movement going on where young young chefs like myself are reimagining our food. 
and presenting it to people in a different way where it's not just here's a bowl of this stew and here's some rice and mm-hmm. now it's going into into the territory of being mainstream like here like like noodles and um like our food is so good but we don't get the re- respect that other asian cuisines do like thai and chinese and vietnamese like they are have already established themselves mm-hmm. and fully and now we're trying to establish our food in that category as well mm-hmm. instead of being like let's go for chinese and be like let's go for filipino food so um that being said um my next two courses are more on the traditional route but plated in a different way mm-hmm. so um my third course is going to be a pinak bet and caviar pinak bet again it's a stew and um the main component of that is fish um shrimp paste which is bagoong mm-hmm. it's a fermented shrimp and then it's in, ground up into a paste it's super salty kind of funky yeah and uh people wouldn't like the smell but once you taste it <laughs> it's different right yeah. so that i'm doing a a a crispy pork belly uh butternut squash puree and um i'm going to make caviar out of um the bagaong so i'm going to make uh the sauce into a caviar by using uh, molecular gastronomy are you serious yeah yeah so it's going to look like it's going to look like caviar and you're going to be like what is this but when you taste it it's going to taste like caviar because bagaong has that seafood taste yeah. from the shrimp mm-hmm. so that's where we're going to get the flavor of the traditional bagaong in that dish because it's going to be in a caviar form so I'm I'm excited about that one for people to be like, what is this? And be like, whoa! Yeah, blown that's, away. That's awesome. Yeah. And then uh, my fourth dish is gonna be a uh, short rib beef steak. Beef steak is basically uh, another stew. All of our food is stew yep. unless it's fried. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's basically um, beef that's braised in uh, either lemon juice or calamansi juice and soy sauce, and then onions. So it's very oniony, salty, and sour. And I'm going to braise the meat, and then I'm going to make some kind of uh, sauce out of the braising liquid. And I'm going to serve onions in three different ways because the tr- the main dish, the traditionally, you serve it with onions. So I'm going to have crispy onions, a puree, as well as fresh. So different types. And then my dessert is going to be basically... Um, a shoe pastry filled with a calamansi curd. Um, the calamansi is like a tiny little kumquat, mm-hmm. and it's what's used as uh, in Filipino Filipino cuisine as our citrus for a lot of things. Yeah. So I'm gonna make um, kind of like a curd cream filling. Fill up a shoe pastry, so basically a giant cream puff, and then there's gonna be a coconut crisp sablé on top, and then ube croutons and just make it look all fancy and nice for everybody yes let's eat yeah yeah I'm yeah, hungry already. yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is awesome yeah. so you know what well i guess hey um how are tickets tickets have already gone on sale for this tickets already went on sale um i post i'm usually going to be posting all of the um info for my pop-up dinners on all my social media mm-hmm. so on facebook uh, chef on fire or you can go to my instagram at on fire and all of the info will be there on how to purchase tickets unfortunately this one's already sold out 
It sold out I in like... I we're all talking about it and about, romancing the food. Uh, yeah. And how did I get tickets? Well, you can't. You can't get it anymore, <laughs> but you can try and get the next one for sure. Yeah. As, do you have any idea when the next one is going to be? Or you, you could kind of gauge it um, as each event ends? I think I'm gauging it more to the end of the year, um, if not in the end of the year. Um, actually, I'm actually thinking of maybe trying to do one in the, in early December. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, maybe... In January, I'm going to try to do them as frequently as possible because the demand is so high. Mm-hmm. People, people have been trying to contact me for these tickets, and be like, it's so hard to get tickets for your pop ups. And um, I want to be able to feed all those people that want to try my food, and especially all my fans that want to come. But you I want definitely... it to be popular. But you want, you know, you obviously you want to you want it to sell out each time. Exactly. But you don't want it to sell out so quick that barely anybody really gets to enjoy it. Right? Exactly. And and I want everybody to try it, and I want. I wanted to do the first one and and kind of gauge what the feedback was to right. see if people actually liked my food. And that was kind of going to be the deciding factor of should I keep doing it right. or not? And what if everybody thinks I suck? Mm-hmm. Like, then I'm not going to do it, right? <laughs> but, um, like, I mean, I, the feedback was really good. Everybody really liked the food. So it's like at that point, I'm like, okay. I'm going to do it again and I'm going to keep trying to do it again and, and see what the demand is. And I feel like the demand's really high for me right now. So mm-hmm. I'm going to keep on going and try to feed as many people as possible. For sure. Okay. So it's at the kitchen sink. The kitchen sink on Donald. Yeah. Which is an awesome spot, isn't it? Yeah. It's so nice there. Um, I was, I was happy to get that spot mm-hmm. because like the style of the place is just so me, mm-hmm. like, um, like architecturally and design wise, like it's just so me. So caught me off guard going into the first time. Oh yeah. I went in there. You don't so, expect it. Not at all. You're going into this building, older building. You think, hey, yeah. you know, maybe okay. Yeah. Then you walk into yeah. that space and you're like, when did this get exactly, here? Exactly. Exactly. It's a beautiful space and, and I'm glad to be doing it there. Um, it's a little bit of smaller than um, my last pop-up dinner, but yeah. How many seats for it? For it's fifty-four seats yeah. um, per night, so I'm doing separating it for two nights, so fifty-four each night, and um, it's all sold out, so it should be good. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay, so yeah. let's remind people of um, what date it's on. I'm, you know, I and apologize that you yeah. can't buy tickets for it, but yeah. it's on October seventh and eighth. October 7th and 8th, and it's called my Lassa Series pop-up, and it's with me, Chef Jeremy Snares from MasterChef Canada. I appreciate you coming in, man. Thank you for having me, brother. All right. This is Kevin Bergen from The Main Ingredient, and we'll be back right after the break. This is 680 CJOB. Hey, everybody. This is Kevin Bergen from The Main Ingredient. I'd like to thank my guest today, Jeremy Snares from MasterChef Canada Season 3, and I'd like to thank you all for listening in today, and I hope you enjoy the beautiful weather on this beautiful October weekend. This is 680 CJOB. This is 680 CJOB.